Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. When our hymnal, the Chalice Hymnal, was published, another book was put out called The Chalice Companion. And The Chalice Companion tells the story behind many of the hymns in the Chalice Hymnal, one of which is the song we just heard, It Is Well, a song written by a man as he was in grief. And a song that he wrote as much to encourage others as to lift himself up, but that is a song with that kind of power, that kind of capacity. And so it was common in my student ministry when I was in seminary serving in the United Methodist Church for the greeting when I saw the district superintendent to be Hello, Irvin, is it well with your soul? It took me a while to adjust, but I came to celebrate that greeting because so many of us greet one another. You may greet a hundred people in a day and not inquire about their well-being, not in a real way. And so <clears throat> you might all practice that from time to time. Don't do it every time. If it becomes a cliche, they can ignore it. But every now and then, as you greet someone who's accustomed to, good morning, how are you? Ask, is it well with your soul? They'll have to give more thought to the answer when you ask them, is it well with your soul? And the song declares, yes, it is. And Noemi played the piano and declared, yes, it is. There are problems in the world and problems in our lives. But if it's well with our soul, we can handle those problems and make it through. And so I didn't know she was going to play that song when I named this sermon from victim to victor. And she just got through preaching it. She's at a moment of pain, but declaring for all the world to hear, it is well with my soul. Uh, the sermon title from Victim to Victor is yet another sermon from the book The Choice by Frank Thomas. And this particular sermon that he preached involved more self-disclosure than most of the other 15 in the book. 
He acknowledges some of the pain that he'd experienced, some of the self-doubt that he had gone through, both while pastoring Mississippi Boulevard and previously at New Hope Baptist in Illinois, and Eden Green Baptist in Illinois, and Trinity United Church of Christ in Illinois. Uh, anyone who has pastored three or four congregations knows what it is to have to ask the question, is it well with my soul? Everybody who's pastored anyone or been pastored by anyone understands the moments when you feel yourself a victim and the world around you may agree. Victim. Victim is a category. It's a distinction that does not skip over anyone. We've all understood ourselves to be victims at one time or another. And as far as the standards of the world, we were right. When you thought you were a victim, you were probably right. If the bully on the schoolyard regularly hit you in the eye, you have every reason to think you were victimized. Uh, the sermon and the scripture behind the sermon offer us a different path of understanding and therefore a different outcome. Uh, by itself, this title, From Victim to Victor, is inspiring, but it sounds like a campaign slogan. A campaign slogan which we've all heard a hundred times, where every politician we've ever heard speak, no matter what their political party, was going to balance their budget by getting rid of corruption in government. It's just that the Republicans were going to get rid of Democratic corruption, and the Democrats were going to get rid of Republican corruption. Nobody really thought they could get rid of all corruption, but we can at least pick the right corrupt folks to follow. That's the world's way of seeing things. Campaign slogans, a chicken in every pot. I love chicken, but I don't want one in all my pots. That's a step backwards from some of what I've been putting in my pots. Or 40 acres and a mule. It's a whole lot of lawn to mow. And a stubborn housemate to, to hang around with campaign slogans, even if they delivered what they promised, are less than what we truly need or even truly want. The reality of the sermon, the reality of the self-examination that Frank Thomas was undergoing when he wrote it was the recognition or first the discovery that I've got something to say about how things go in my life. I can't stop the rain from falling on me. I can't stop an earthquake or a forest fire or a, a flood from coming my way, but I can change how I respond to the events in my life. But Frank made another discovery along the way 
that is even more important than that uh, utopian way of seeing things. Uh, there's someone else on my team that can consistently respond in right ways even when I don't and has enough spare time to be on your team too. Someone else is on my team when I don't receive the news of the day correctly or when I don't respond correctly. The context of Jesus Christ, my teammate and your teammate, uh, is disclosed in the scripture that was read. It came from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says some radical things that are counterintuitive to most of us. If someone asks you for your cloak, give them that and your coat. Well, see, I can avoid all that by giving them nothing. But that's not the way of Jesus. If they ask you to go a mile with them, go two miles. Jesus is diffusing the situation by saying, you can't rob me if I'm giving everything I've got away to you. You cannot burglarize a house if the owner of the house loads their possessions on a U-Haul and delivers them to you. You can't take more from me or from anyone than they are willing to give. That's radical. A lot of us use the word radical to criticize one another. This is radical in a godly way. It steps way outside the bounds of our normal thinking. Jesus said, just be so generous. That's what keeps us from going back to the old way when we change from who we were into generous people so that I'm not giving you my cloak just to be in a legalistic way responsive to the scripture. I've become generous enough to want to give you my coat. How many of you have ever gone in a grocery store and recognized that the person behind you or in front of you had come up just a little short of being able to pay the bill? Did you help them out and finish the payment for them? I suspect at least a dozen of you did. I've done that and I believe I felt better than the person I helped. There's little difference between me going into the store and paying part of the tab for a stranger and me going shopping with my wife. Strange and unidentified things jump into our carts as we go through the store. So if I can endure all the additional cost of shopping with my wife, I can help a stranger every now and then. And that's a message that's fresh in my mind. Because on Friday we went to buy a computer for a grandson at Best Buy. And as I went home, I thought it would have been cheaper 
for me to take my grandson to St. Louis or somewhere else and shop for this computer than to go with my wife to the store and buy this computer. But I feel good now. my, My grandson is starting college next week. And the computer that my wife convinced me that I wanted to buy him will make it through. We'll make it through. We never know whether we're married or single. We never know what the shelf life of our blessings and our gifts might be. But God knows. And I believe God sent my wife shopping with us to Best Buy the other day. I'm not going to ever tell my wife that. She'll think it's a good habit to form. But the message of Jesus, the message of generosity is to be outrageous in your giving. To give so much that the person receiving could not form the words of asking for any more. The person who receives your gifts will remember you long after they have forgotten your name. The generosity that Jesus prescribes allows us to truly do the work of God. And so we who were victims, there's some obvious parts of this sermon I don't need to preach because you would preach it to me if I didn't. We know that there are things that victimize us in ways that we cannot prevent. There are those of us who have been mugged on the street, those of us who have been hospitalized with disease or broken bones. Is Ben still here? Ben says he's doing better, so he'll be healed in time for the next break. We are truly victims in terms of the fact that others inflict things on us that we didn't desire or invite. But we are victors when we respond in the best possible way. We're all going to die one day. We're all going to get sick before that. We're going to have negative outcomes throughout our lives, but on every occasion, no matter how bad the setback is, there's something you can say or do that makes it better. And when somebody around you is going through something, there's some word of encouragement you could speak or some gift that you can offer. The drummer boy has nothing but a drum to play. No, Amy's got a piano to play, and if she wears out, Migdalia says she's going to take it over. You've all got gifts. You've all got hearts that do more than circulate blood through your body. And so you are all capable of the transition from victim to victor. So claim your power. Uh, Frank Thomas defined being a victim as yielding your power to someone else. And so, being a victim, someone in the personnel office can decide for me to be unemployed. 
Being a victim, someone at the school can decide I lack the aptitude to pursue what I think is my heart's dream. Being a victor sometimes involves proving them wrong, but being a victor is not about proving anyone wrong. It's about proving that God is right, that God made you as a special part of creation, and God was proud and said that's very good when humanity was the latest product turned out of God's workshop. God was talking about you when the words came out, that's very good. God was talking about you. God said the animals were good, the stars in the sky were good, the waters were good, but God got to talking about you and said, that's very good. Are you prepared now to contradict God in that? To say to your God, no, 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 I'm not special. I'm not very good. I am a victim. I believe God's right. I've met several of you, and I've come to know you as very good. I've come to know you and to know that each of you has stories to tell, and somewhere along the way you had a day or two when you were a victim. But you've overcome. You've overcome sickness. You've overcome unemployment. You've overcome divorce. You've overcome loss of a loved one. You've overcome and you've made the, transi the transition. So I really don't need to waste this sermon on you. You've already made the transition. You've traveled the road and you used to be victims. But this morning I look out and I see you and know you and recognize you as victors. Claim your power. Claim your authority. And in doing it, you announce to the world around you how good our God is. You're victorious today, and even more so tomorrow. Go ahead and celebrate it, thank God for it, and share it with someone else.